when we're done with this, we'll do our business. Uh, Psalm 70, let's look at verse 1. It says, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverance, O Lord. And make no tarrying. Uh, three things that we can see in these five verses. Uh, and we'll pray the Lord will use it to be a help to us. Uh, really, when you think of this, this psalm, it's about uh, being overwhelmed by circumstances and a response to that being overwhelmed. And um, sometimes when we're overwhelmed, we pray and we feel like God's not hearing us. And that's kind of what this psalm is to some degree. And of course, we've talked about it in Sunday school. We've talked about it in many services. God does hear us. Um, and this, this psalm teaches us how to pray basically in an emergency, uh, when you're in desperate need of God to hear. Lord, I pray for your help as we look at these uh, five verses. And may we learn something from it and draw closer to you because of it and apply into our life the things that you have for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, I want us to see a call, not like a God calling us, but a call to God. And we see this desperation and urgency here in verse number one. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. It seems as though God was not answering fast enough here for the psalmist David. And, uh, and his prayer is beginning with a, a request, a call to God to make haste, to hurry. God is never in a hurry. It's interesting, uh, in my grandfather's funeral service yesterday, the pastor that was preaching the main portion of it, he talked about the weight on this earth that my grandfather had since my grandmother passed away six years ago. And he says, but for my grandmother, it seems like just yesterday because in heaven time is basically non-existent uh, the only thing between today and tomorrow is tonight and there is no tonight in heaven and uh, time in heaven is so so drastically different than time on this earth time was created for earth <laughs> uh, the day and the night and and the, uh, the months and the, the weeks and all those sorts of things and and so God is not in a hurry. He has no reason to be in a hurry. God will make haste, but he will not be in a hurry. The story of Lazarus' death is one of the greatest examples of God's patience, of God's uh, non-hurrying mentality. I think you can look at the, the story of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in the storm. Christ doesn't jump out of bed and run to the top of the boat and say, peace be still. No, he come on guys where's your faith and i've always pictured and this is purely just my my imagination christ sauntering up the steps to the top of the boat stretching a little bit yawning uh looking around oh man yeah this is a bad one you know those kinds of things I, the bible doesn't tell us that that's just what i've always pictured but we see and we see throughout the scriptures that god was just not in a hurry but there are times that he does make haste like when uh, Peter sinks into the water when he's walking on the water, and immediately Christ grabs his arm. 
So there are times in which Christ is hasty, but Christ is never, God is never in a hurry. But we see here this request of David. I'm in trouble, make haste to deliver me, make haste to help me. And then after that prayer or that call, we see a contrast between the enemies and the friends or the allies here of David. He starts with his enemies in verses 2 and 3 and what they're seeking in verses 2 and 3. He says, let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. And let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, aha, aha. We see the word let is used six times in this psalm and imploring God to act against his foes. And David understood that God's um, anointment on his life and where he was given by God the, the position of king, he understood that God was with him in that and that his enemies were not only David's enemies, but they were God's enemies. And we've talked about that before, that if we're doing what God desires for us to do, then those that are against us are not against us, they're against God. And so we see David here with that mentality and that mindset here uh, asking for God to help. And he says some different things. Let them be confounded, turned backwards, confused, and turned back again. And we see this here, this idea of God stirring up confusion amongst their hearts, uh, maybe a, a amongst their, uh, um, their, their coalition together to, to, to go after David, whatever it may be. Um, David refers, or excuse me, Moses refers to this with the children of Israel. Um, we've talked about uh, uh, the way that different birds protect different things. A mother eagle will tear out uh, the lining of the nest to make it uncomfortable. And uh, that way, when the, the baby eagles are ready to go, they want to get out of the nest. They, they want to move. It's that idea of confounding of movement, of getting things happening uh, there as well. And God doesn't want us to sit and be complacent with where we are, uh, right? He wants us to get out and go, and then he wants to protect us along the way. And so this confusion or this shame or this confounding that he's calling for is to just to get things uh, stirred up and moving. And, and it says there, they use the word aha, aha, there at the end of verse number three, meaning they were excited and happy and pleased with the issues that David was going through, with his problems, with his struggles. It made them happy to see him struggle. And so he's sitting here, and he's, David's praying that God would take care of this. Now, uh, we, we know that there were times where David was under punishment because of sins that he committed, and there were people there that would uh, mock him for his physical struggles that he went through, uh, for his emotional struggles that he went through, things like that as well. And so God would always take care of those enemies for David, and that's what David's calling for here. Those that are, it's not just a, a mocking, but those that are against, those that are pleased and happy with the pain that I'm going through, God, please take care of them. Please confound them. Please turn them back. And then we see David's friends in verse 4. It says, Let all those that seek, uh, seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee, and let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. And we see the person who follows God also comes out of trials triumphantly. And David understood that even though I'm in a trial right now, when I come through it, let God be magnified. And let those that are with me, let those that are suffering with me or helping me through this trial or 
supporting me through this. Let them as well come through uh, this way as uh, also. And when we come through trials, and we've talked about this in, in other sermons about trials, but when we come through a trial, after depending on God to get us through the trial, when he brings us out of something, he is magnified. People look and they say, how did you do it? How, how are you handling this so well? How are you, uh, uh, how were you able to overcome all these of course, sorts of things? And it gives us opportunity then to give glory to God for his help. And through that, God is glorified. He's glorified in our own lives as we watch God do those things for us as well. And then he comes down to verse 5 with a confession. He starts off with the, the, the prayer and the call, make haste, deliver me, help me. And then he goes and he looks at his enemies and those that are with him. And then for me, it's a complete transition here in verse 5 because he says, to all those that seek thee, verse 4, rejoice and be glad in thee, and let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified, but I am poor and needy. I'm struggling. And so he says again, make haste unto me, O God, and thou art my help and my deliverer, O Lord, make no tarrying. And the fact that he says, I'm poor and needy, it's a, he's saying to God, I can't do this. Without you, it's impossible. I am in desperate need of help. That's what he's meaning by poor and needy. And I found in my life when I come to the realization that I'm poor and needy with God, that I can't do it, uh, it's when I see God do the most in my life. He's saying, God, I'm poor and needy. You are rich and need nothing. I need your help. It's the most effective plea that we can make as Christians. And he says here, uh, I'm depending on you. O Lord, make no tarrying. This prayer is a, a reminder, and again, we don't have to remind God, but oftentimes it's reminding us when we think we're reminding God. God, I can't do it. God, I need you. As I said at the beginning of the prayer, make haste to deliver me. Make haste to help me. And he closes it out by saying, make no tarrying. Lord, I'm at the end. I have to have your help. It's a complete and utter dependence on God. Our most effective prayers come when we have full dependence on the, who, on the one in whom we're praying to. And when I come to the conclusion, because, you know, oftentimes when I pray about problems in my life, needs that I have in the back of my mind I'm thinking about how I can fix it even when I'm asking God but I'm not depending on God I'm asking God and I've said this before I'm hoping as opposed to believing and so and so I get to this point where I say boy God I'm in this this financial or health situation and I I can't do it I need you to do it and it's it's me saying no matter what I do on this earth I'm not gonna be able to fix this problem and so, Lord, my dependence is on you. And I'm at this point now. Lord, I, please don't, don't wait. Now, I've prayed that prayer before. Lord, please, please, please. Don't take a long time to answer this request. Can, we, can you please just do this one quickly for me? Um, and sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. God's timing is perfect. And I've learned that too through experience. But this understanding, this complete confidence, and Lord, without you, I'm a goner, poor and needy. 
and I need you to, to, to do this quickly because I'm at the point now where you are literally the only one who can do anything about it. And in my opinion, that, that neediness, that dependence is probably a better term for it on God, in God. No self-dependence whatsoever. Lord, I'm in trouble unless you help me. It's the greatest place a Christian can be when it comes to prayer. It's taking ourselves out of the equation, and we just trust him to do it for us. So I don't know. I don't know if you've got a trial or anything you're going through right now, or uh, whatever it may be. I, I hope that you will have full dependence on God. I hope that you'll be faithful to pray, take your needs to him, and let him do his part that where he can help you. And, and, uh, and if you've got those that you feel like you got are being attacked by other people, um, one thing I've learned from David and God's inspiration of Scripture is that uh, when I'm attacked and if I'm being attacked wrongfully, uh, it's okay to go to God and say, God, can you take care of them and, uh, and help me through this all at the same time. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing to watch and see the things that God will do for his children. And, uh, you know, like the, like the verse talks about uh, the evil fathers, how much more will your father... Um, God loves his children and he doesn't want to see you hurt and he doesn't want to see you struggle he likes to see you blessed and living a life that is full of joy and praise and dependence on him and so uh, make sure you turn your prayers where they need to be and try not to get to the point where you're sitting there going uh, and maybe it comes on suddenly but if you have a situation if you take care of it earlier you might not have to say uh, Lord, I'm out of time. <laughs> uh, I need you to, to do this without tarrying. Um, if, if most problems, not all, most problems, if we go to God first, we don't have to get to the make haste, make haste, um, because we've already taken it to him and he's already handed it out. So may those things be an encouragement to us uh, today. Lord, help us, help us to pray like we're supposed to. Help us to have faith like we're supposed to. Help us to depend on you. Um, like you've proven we can. And Lord, I pray that uh, these few verses will just be a help to us today and give us what we need uh, to get through this week. We're honoring you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brett, if you can turn that off for me, please. <laughs>